This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening, this is Sharmila Ganesan and Sharad Kutin. Tonight, with stagnant pay and rising costs of living, does it make more sense for many Malaysians to take up blue collar jobs abroad? We're talking about this because of a recent viral story of a Malaysian lecturer choosing to work as a cleaner in Singapore for five times the pay. So we want to hear from you. Would you take a menial job abroad for more money over your current job here? You can call 77332900, tweet us at BFM Radio, send us a voice note or WhatsApp at our mobile number 018789899. This is Inside Story. It is 6.08. So this is a viral post that began on Facebook but has since made its way into the various platforms. Um, A Malaysian lecturer um, shared their experience um, of um, preferring to work as a cleaner in Singapore because he said he was earning five times his previous pay. Now, this man was a lecturer, according to him, a lecturer at a private university in Malaysia and said that his last drawn salary was 1,900 ringgit despite working for five years at the same place. Um, And he said that there were some months where he couldn't make ends meet, he didn't have enough money, um, and that he couldn't even make it past the middle of the month because, uh, and I'm quoting here, my salary remained stagnant while the cost of living kept rising. It was hard to survive. Um, And this led to this decision to work in Singapore as a cleaner, where he was offered a basic salary of 3,100 Sing dollars, which comes up to roughly about 10,860 Malaysian ringgit. Yeah, so I, when you know Shamla, when I read this story, I was struck by how low uh, his um, salary at the university was. Uh, because when I think about salaries, even with say you know waitressing jobs or whatever it is, or waiting on tables. It tends to be, at least in the Klang Valley, it tends to be higher than that. But okay, we take everything at face value, right? I mean, in some sense, uh, there's no way of really checking on this. Um, so th- the question is the choice that, that was made by this individual, that they actually uh, didn't move laterally. He didn't move from lecturer to lecture job across space and then earn more money. He, he, as it was stepped down, either in terms of social status or in terms of compatibility with his uh, qualifications, whatever it is, uh, it was a step down in order that he would get more pay. And that's actually not as easy um, a trade-off as some people might think, right? Because you might think, well, the money determines everything. But I don't think that's true because if you're trained for something, you know, uh, you might actually feel much more satisfaction personally if you uh, remain in that in that field. So there are many things, I think, involved in this notion of uh, taking a job that is significantly different from something that you wanted to do. But also, um, and, I do, and I'm saying this without any sense of judgment toward blue-collar jobs, but jobs that are labour-intensive, jobs that may require you to be on your feet, um, and for, unfortunately, jobs that are not viewed with a lot of, um, uh, not viewed as being attractive positions to, to be in. It takes a lot to decide to do that. Um, and even if we're not talking about the 1,900 ringgit, which is frankly a shocking amount for a lecturer to be making, um, if you compare 
10,800 ringgit for a cleaner salary in Singapore versus even 3,000 ringgit a month. I mean, it starts it starts seeming like a reasonably attractive option for many people, um, especially if we consider that, especially if we're talking about Singapore, where you have the option of living in JB and going across the border, which many people do. But even if you're talking about other countries, um, if you if it's just you, if you're going to send money back, the exchange rate might mean that this trade-off is no longer as difficult to make. Does it matter if you're waiting tables, if you're making three times as much as everyone else back home? Yeah, so I, and I think it really depends on what you want to do with it, right? So we hear stories all the time. This is There is nothing almost... There's nothing new in this story. Malaysians have been going overseas uh, looking for better prospects for the longest time. This is just part of our DNA. Uh, the question is, uh, has it become more imperative for those who um, who were qualified to do something here and then found that the, the, the labor market here just doesn't reward them for what they do? We know that in some countries, uh, you know, Hard labor might actually be well paid, right? So, I mean, this story got me uh, Googling uh, average pay of all kinds of jobs yeah. just in order to find out what the numbers are. So, say, for instance, that the average uh, salary for a fruit picker in Australia uh, is something of the order of 190,000 ringgit per year. Uh, you're getting 31 uh Aussie dollars per hour for that job. And it seems an extraordinary amount for something that doesn't require any qualifications. But obviously, it's a necessary job. It's an honorable job. There's nothing wrong with picking fruit. And for all of us who eat fruit, this is a good thing. Uh, so, um, it, but it, it makes you kind of alert to the ways in which wages uh, differ uh, across the world. So one thing here is that, yes, you're right, none of these jobs are jobs that we should be looking down at, right? Um, but the question here really is this notion of um, how much money we make and whether shifting over to something that has long been perceived as the lesser choice. Um, oh, why did you go to university if this is what you want to end up doing? Um, perhaps those, those quote-unquote rules no longer mean a whole lot, right? I mean, Con convincing or, or pushing for TVET education or, or standing behind stronger TVET education has been something that I've long thought we should be doing better with. I'm really glad the, that our government policies are shifting in that direction. And I wonder whether these sorts of experiences and these stories also point to um, moving away from even these these categories of professional or blue collar, white collar, um, and maybe realizing that for most people at the end of the day, they want to be able to make a good life for themselves. And for that, how much you earn actually makes a big difference. Yeah, in fact, I think several years ago, uh, the then uh, Human Resource Minister, M. Saravanan, made this point. I mean, he, he actually said he was encouraging young Malaysians uh, to go out into the world and, you know, seek their fortune. And he said there was no shame in that. And in some ways, the country can provide so much in terms of opportunities and, you know, the types of jobs here might not, the full spread might not be available. And of course, with, with certain groups, of people, uh, if you, your skill level is much lower, you go overseas, you can save money and that can be parlayed into an investment year, into a small business, all kinds of things can or happen. Or furthering your education later in life. Perhaps. We are talking about um, one particular story that has gone viral of a local lecturer who has chosen to work as a cleaner in Singapore for what he says is five times the pay. And that got us thinking, we want to hear from you as well. Would you take a menial job abroad for more money over your current job here?
You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Backing female ministers, BFM eighty nine point nine, the business station. BFM 89.9, that was The Clash with Train in Vain. It is 6.19, you're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Sharad. And we're asking you, would you take a menial job abroad for more money over your current job here? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. So we have a number of thoughts coming in, um, really a, a multitude of opinions. Asfa says, yes, in a heartbeat, in all caps, and goes on to say, I would have done so a long time ago if not for certain family-related things. Those who can should do so. As far I think, you know, um, the, the excitement I, I read in your message suggests something about the nature of also the whole thing about going abroad. And some, you know, you think of traditional Minangkabau society where you're actually, you know, told to go in Marantau and, you know, experience the world and create, get knowledge. There is an excitement. I think this is why it often is a young person's game too. The going away, uh, you know, to a distant land and, you know, and roughing it out and learning, I think is a, a pos- it's something to to recommend, right? Especially when people are young and they're still at a stage where they don't have to make hard and firm choices. So the age thing is something that's coming up. Um, But I wanted to just say, um, I mean, even for us, sometimes it isn't about whether you want to or not. Sometimes it's whether you have the the ability or uh, the freedom to kind of leave behind your current life and go somewhere else. So TIDJ is saying, I question uh, if he was truly a lecturer or merely a tutor at the private higher learning institution because I know the pension pay for a retired UM lecturer but would I leave my job for a blue collar job that pays better if I were younger I probably would but at my current age I'm more concerned about career growth my partner has recently hit the age where growth is more important than pay and tendered resignation from a retail pharmacy job that pays well for a position in a hospital in an oncology linked role Uh, the retail pharmacy position was in Singapore the hospital role is in Malaysia Rusihan also says come on guys those are career-limiting jobs. Um, And, you know, I get it. I completely get the point of something, um, of of, uh, a job being as important for the opportunities it offers you and where it will take you and a sense of personal satisfaction. But maybe that's not everybody's goal and maybe that's okay. Um, If people choose to make choices because money offers them uh, a way out of issues, um, opportunities, a means to live a happier life, perhaps those are... um, those are relevant things to think about. Right. Do you remember that in 2020, there was a case of a UKM grad who was, he, he kind of surfaced because uh, he was working in rubbish collection in Singapore, but he had uh, found uh, somebody's iPad and then he returned it to the owner. And then that owner, had, you know, sort of taken this message. And, and then everybody was alerted to the fact that there was this UKM grad working in uh, rubbish collection in Singapore. And when he was interviewed, I mean, he, he was not ashamed of what he's, he was doing. So he had a science development degree from uh, University of Kabangsa, Malaysia. And, you know, he had a very positive spin on what he was doing. He saw that as part of his development. Yes, you might think, well, you know, if a science development degree, you shouldn't be getting into refuse collection. But um, that's not how he saw it. So I, while I appreciate that some job changes are, in fact, career limiting, but then... 
the question is, maybe that's not the, even the career you want necessarily. Riel says, I 100% support uh, this lecturer. Uh, this is the viral story of the lecturer working as a cleaner in Singapore. Goes on to say, social status factors in a job uh, is only for insecure people who buy luxury cars they can't afford to show off. He's getting, number one, much higher pay. Money talks a lot, especially with inflation, and you can always buy back the status if that's important. Number two, he's also doing a physically active job that can be healthier than sitting down for five hours looking at your screen. Just my two MYR cents or 0.66 SG cents. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Riel, I, I agree with you. You know, there is a lot of social snobbery around this. And some of it, yeah, I admit, right? I mean, it, it is internalized. We carry these uh, standards with us or our expectations of ourselves. But if this individual is, as you put it, secure in what they're doing and they're making this choice, very pragma- a very pragmatic lens. Because at the end of the day, you're right, money kind of talks, especially in our societies, uh, you know, whether Singapore or Malaysian. And then, you know, you, you, well, you silence the critics because you can afford the things that you need. We have a number of people pointing out um, more the the systemic or structural issues that have that feed into this situation, right? So Lok says the more important question is how did we end up in this sorry state? Um, Azami, meanwhile, says Minister Rafizi has stated that part of our main problem is the low salary, hence efforts to increase the pay. For instance, the minimum salary, progressive salary, and so on. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, in fact, we've just been talking about the the question of you know long term goals with uh, the labour market uh, restructuring or reform uh, versus short term goals, and we were talking about the gig economy uh, only yesterday. The the question, I guess, is in the meantime, as the country does the corrections it needs to do, because uh, the jury is still out, and whether we'll have the political will to pull it off, and people will have you know accept the the trade offs that come with these. Uh, reforms. The the issue is what does an individual do, right? And this is what we this is what the story is about. It's one individual uh, finding themselves in a particular circumstance and then making the choice. And this is the question we we're kind of kind of putting to all of us uh, ourselves included. Would you make that choice? I also think that salary is one very big part of the equation, but there are other factors that can play into this as well. I'm very glad that we're moving towards uh, questions of uh, increasing our minimum wage to a living wage. Um, this notion of a progressive salary, it's all great, but so many things go into what makes a job fulfilling and makes a person feel like this is what I want to be doing for the next couple of decades, right? Uh, Things like good hours, being uh, treated well at work. And there are many other countries in the world. I'm not saying all, uh, but I'm saying that there are countries in the world where a good salary also comes with enough protections, even in menial labor jobs, that mean that it becomes not just not just attractive financially, but it also offers a sort of um, a lifestyle and a sense of self-respect that maybe we don't get here. And I think that also can be a big reason why people choose to do this. Yeah, um, you know, I, I, I was living in Singapore in the 80s, Shamila, uh, when uh, Singapore was getting a lot of foreign maids from, uh, sorry, maids, uh, domestic helpers from the Philippines. Many of them had university degrees. It was quite shocking, I think, for a lot of Singaporeans encountering what were highly educated, articulate young women in particular coming to work as domestic helpers. But, you know, that was the reality. The, the Filipino economy was not providing them opportunities and they they made the sacrifice for themselves, for their families, in order to uh, earn a 
a respectable wage. It wasn't in the areas that they studied for, but that was what they chose. And, you know, and I don't think uh, their families looked down on them for making that, those choices. Well, some people are bringing this up as not necessarily a good thing, particularly the uh, foreign worker comparison. So uh, CCC says, Once upon a time, we were the destination for neighbouring country workers to seek employment. Now we're discussing what Malaysians think of taking up menial jobs for higher pay. What does this say about the state of our beloved country? Yes, you see, I mean, absolutely. I think uh, nobody would um, deny this. I think, uh, you know... The ministers in charge of these issues admit to it. I think that there's a broad acknowledgement that uh, the country's uh, labor market, the wage system, the stagnation in wages, all that is a problem that needs to be solved because it's not just an economic one, it's a political one, uh, one ultimately, right? But, um, uh, and yeah, we we should hold people accountable, right? For And, and those uh, leaders uh, who have led us to this situation. But that's just a, a negative spin on the on the story we need a po- more positive stories which is about what change is possible or what are the timelines and for the individuals to negotiate that right so it's yes it's unfortunate but why not think of this as a positive move for a lot of Malaysians who might learn something from working in contexts that are very different in fact we we have stories where people say they went to Australia did fruit picking despite their degrees and then learned about uh, the regulatory framework that mm. Australia has a worker protection whatever it is work life balance Balance, and they love those values and they say they want to bring those values. Ultimately, they want to bring those values home. Send your thoughts our way. We are talking about whether you would take a menial job abroad for more money over your current job here. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Be firmly motivated. BFM 89.9. It's 6.39. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Sharad. And we've been asking you whether you would take a menial job abroad for more money over your current job here. You can call 777 send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We're talking about this, of course, uh, because there have been... I suppose we hear these stories off and on of people choosing to go abroad uh, where the currency is often stronger and to take up typically blue collar jobs, right? Whether that's waiting tables or as a cleaner or as a fruit picker, um, because the money is just better. So is that something that you would consider doing? Send your thoughts through. Uh, We have actually a number of people uh, saying, yes, that's something that they would think of doing or support uh, if somebody chose to do it. So an anonymous listener says, a colleague of mine, he was a manager while I'm an executive at a local company. Then I became a manager at an MNC, got him in as a junior. Now I've left and he's now uh, he's in my role. We always joke, give me the title of cleaner but pay me 10,000 ringgit is always better versus pay me 10k and be a manager. We could probably end up opening a cleaning company with the experience. I think you know, the, the anon logic, I think, is it's sterling, right? In some ways, you're, everybody's making these calculations for themselves, right? And we live in a, in a world where money is a huge determinant of the kind of options that we have as individuals. I think there was a 
there was a premium place for, especially in middle class society, uh, on the question of the profession, on the respectability of your profession and some sort of the integrity of it and so on, uh, which might be losing out to the kind of pragmatism of the day, especially as things become less and less certain that even if you are in a profession that tenure of, of work, the, you know, the, there's levels of insecurity there. So then what should your focus be? Right. So I actually like this idea of what could you do with that experience. Um, and that goes back to something you said earlier, Sharad, about uh, people who, for instance, uh, took up uh, fruit picking in, in Australia, uh, being able to learn about the frameworks that this would fall under. I um, mean, there's so many stories like this, right? People who worked in cafes, waiting tables or so on, and then ultimately getting enough experience so that they could open up a, a restaurant or a cafe of their own. Um I do think that what this also speaks to is uh, perhaps a changing notion of what changing notion of what experiences are valuable and what aren't um, and the fact that there's always opportunity to do something with the things you learn that skills are transferable um, and that we shouldn't be looking down on particular jobs just because just because we traditionally viewed them as less than BHL actually says so-called menial jobs are not always dead-end jobs one can keep one's eyes ears and mind open for opportunities maybe that lecturer is doing this for sheer survival at the moment but maybe he'll be able to say up for a dream career or move up the ranks into supervisor and so on, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and also, you know, sometimes these jobs could be stepping stones to other things. You put yourself in a different context, you know, you're meeting different people. Yes, admittedly, when you're, you know, uh, you're a cleaner, I mean, I think in many ways the horror that people f might feel or project onto this person comes from their own experience of how we treat people in so-called menial jobs here, right? And how we treat foreign workers in menial jobs here. And and so they just assume that, you know, when, uh, you know, Malaysian goes overseas, they're going to be treated as badly as foreigners are treated here. So maybe that's part of what is animating uh, the repulsion or the, the pushback against these kinds of stories. A couple of more people bringing up uh, the... Uh well, what I'd like to broadly say, the sad state of affairs here in Malaysia. So Andrew says, um, it's really sad. Educators like teachers and lecturers are paid poorly. A fresh grad lecturer's starting pay can be between 2.5 to 3K at most in, two, uh, in the 2000s. Uh, now it's still somewhat similar. A recent junior colleague lecturer uh, got 2,800 uh, 2, ringgit. That's madness. More than 20 plus years and the salary scale is still similar. An experienced colleague of mine, he's drawing 6K a month. He has opted to go to Singapore to work as a lecturer and now he gets 10K Singapore dollars a month. The problem are the employers in Malaysia. They don't bother to follow the global market rate for salary scales. This lecturer that was being paid low is seriously inhuman uh, if it is in a private college or university. Yeah, well, that, you know, it goes back to, I mean, not that we want to kind of debate this, but uh, the question of why was he paid only 1,900 ringgit, right? But whatever it is, I think the, the issue here is that we see this all around, right? The, and I think, in fact, Andrew gives us a, a sort of other numbers that still seem kind of appallingly low for the positions that they're doing. Yeah, when you think about uh, somebody living in the Klang Valley and all the costs that would go into it, uh, 2.8K doesn't sound like very much. I mean, 1.9 is even more dismal. But uh, the question is, 
how can we change this? And I, I, you know, I think kind of uh, going back to the same point that we were making earlier that you know the long-term structural changes that need to happen, and that goes to the the appalling state of things here, um, is a long. Uh, process. Uh, and in the meantime, people are going to have to make choices. So the question is, should they, even if it's for five years, right? I mean, why I, would I say to somebody, don't do the five years overseas or working as a cleaner because you're going to lose out. But really, is that the opportunity cost? Isn't the opportunity cost really staying here and waiting for things to change? When in fact, when you go there, you can at least put aside a little pot of uh, of money, right? No, I I completely see the logic in that. Um, five years is not a long time, and and especially if you view it as, it's also an opportunity to live in a different culture, in a different country, to meet new people, to build networks, and to learn new skills. So keep your thoughts coming. We are asking you uh, if you would take a menial job abroad for more money over your current job here. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Banana from Malaysia. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.50. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Sharad. And we've been talking about, well, we've been talking about job opportunities, um, stagnant salaries in many ways, uh, all of which leads to the question of, would you take a menial job abroad for more money over your current job here? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. We have a voice note that's come in. This is from Bing. Well, I believe it has to do with uh, individuals' uh, specific interests. Um, if it's not just going to be like for like a job, uh, a good job here and then a cherry picking job there with better salary. Uh, it has to be more. Perhaps the individual is uh, considering uh, going over to the adopted country in brackets uh, for his own future, family building, you know, the benefits that he can get up over there. Um, or just strictly, if it's just strictly for money, uh, then again, is it because the current role or the job prospects that the person is actually having here in the home country is uh, has already reached its peak and the prospects are limited so i believe that it's very much uh, customized to each and every individual bing thank you for that and i agree i think that these trade-offs are very individual i mean earlier on sharad you said uh, this has this has very much to do with what what each individual wants out of life. Um, and I, I agree, for some people, money perhaps is not the main draw. Um, and perhaps for them, a particular job or a particular career or a particular um, goal is something that they really see themselves doing. But for others, money is important. For others, money is essential. And I think it really depends on what you're looking for. Yeah, I agree with Bing in this regard. I do think that, at least from the individual's experience, you know, there are all kinds of factors that maybe are not replicated with others. But at the same time, when you take a step back and you look at what's happening in Malaysia, there are all these 
There's all these, uh, you know, red flags that have gone up over the years, right? So we had uh, the, the case of Malaysians uh, either cl- claiming political asylum so that they could work in Australia, for instance. Um, we've had people, uh, you know, going to Australia and then jumping, as it were, from their visas, you know, and, and then working illegally in, in fruit picking and such. We, we see this in South Korea as well. We've had stories coming back from South Korea of Malaysian workers there living rough uh, and you know, or being injured and then having a hard time. We even had those stories of Malaysians lured uh, overseas for, for kind of like, you know, lucrative jobs that when you read the terms, you think, oh, that can't be. You're lured to Bangkok. The job scams, basically. The job scams. Yeah. I mean, why do people, and, and so many, right? So then you think, well, maybe there's a pattern here and there are trends. What is it that is pushing Malaysians to make really bad choices, at least in these instances, or to make choices that are not, uh, good for them in the in the short and medium term. So I, I think that's true. If when it comes to kind of working overseas, I mean the globalized economy, you know, Malaysian passport is really good. It's a strong passport. It takes people to many countries without visas, uh, without a visa requirement. So, uh, yeah, it's a personal thing. But at the same time, I think there are trends in the country that suggest that we need to uh, watch the space. CJ says. I don't need high salary. I just need strong currency. The weak currency is the root for the middle income trap. CG, I think this might be what many people think. I mean, I think this I think this should be on a t-shirt, to be honest. Know. You know, I don't need high salary. I just need strong currency. I would buy this t-shirt. And I must say, I'm one of the privileged ones. So I feel like everybody else that, you know, uh, the knock-on effect of a, of a weak currency, of course, is that... Uh, things that we used to love to purchase or didn't think about that we purchased from overseas has become more expensive and, you know, there's all this stuff that, you know, uh, our, our dreams. And I think you know, I remember Lynn, you know, many shows ago talking about, you know, have our horizons shrunk? You know, has the Malaysian dream become much, much smaller? No, and, and I, that's exactly it. Look, I graduated with a media degree. I never knew. I never thought I would be raking in the big bucks ever. Um, I knew that in Malaysia, the reality was it was a, a reasonably well-paying job, but nothing to shout about. But that's because this is the career I see myself in. And it's fine. It's generally fine. <laughs> but when it starts feeling like it's not so fine is when you realise what you could afford four years ago, five years ago, um, feels so much more unattainable now. Or when you travel now and things feel unreachable uh, compared to when it was what it was a few years ago. Uh, so I agree. I think I think it has a lot more to do with the currency than, than what exactly you make. So, Shamla, I remember you almost fell off the stool when I quoted you the the uh, US dollar to Malaysian ringgit exchange rate from the 90s. And you yes. couldn't believe it was 2.5 or 2.4. Yes. I mean, you know, and because you have lived through um, an exchange rate that was less favorable. And I remember when it was... That really has always been above 3.5 at least. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, yes, uh, yes. The, I think the pain... I, I really want to make this Someone a t-shirt. Someone make CG's point into a t-shirt. I think we, we you have two customers already. <laughs> uh, keep your thoughts coming. We are asking you whether you would ever take a menial job abroad for more money over your current job here. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 
It is 7.07. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Sharad. And we've been asking you, would you take a menial job abroad for more money over your current job here? So this conversation has its roots in a viral story of a lecturer choosing to work as a cleaner in Singapore for more money, essentially. Um, so send your thoughts through. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at B. FM Radio, more people agreeing, um, saying yes, this is something they would do. Um, an anonymous listener says, "Yes, I would." Lawyers in Malaysia are getting paid around four to five thousand ringgit in, uh, in four to five thousand ringgit, while if we go to Singapore, being a paralegal would allow us to make three to four thousand Singapore dollars with much less work and responsibilities. So that's interesting, partly because it dispels um, a long-held um, and cherished view of lawyers as being fabulously rich and earning, <laughs> you know, the top bucks. So I mean, I don't know if that's true, but I mean, I do, I do think that uh, uh, whatever the the pay is, right? The I think what Anon does is to set up the problem uh, in in the in quite the way that we wanted it. You're not moving uh, from your current job into a similar job in a different context, right? So a lawyer here in Malaysia to a lawyer in Singapore. You're moving down, as it were. You're you're not uh, fulfilling your potential. You're not, uh, you know, um, your your job description doesn't match your qualifications. All those kinds of things. That is the dilemma. Would you make that choice? And I find this example interesting also because um, it's a lot of things, right? Because to just to play devil's advocate, living and earning. So earning in Singapore is quite different from living in Singapore as well. Because when you're earning and living in Singapore, actually what you make is often pretty reasonable for what things cost, what you'd spend on rent, what you'd spend on groceries. Uh, so in many cases, it is not that you're actually earning more, quote-unquote. It just means you're earning what you need to live there. Um, so sometimes some of these uh, comparisons, apples to apples, would not work. But I do think, though, when we talk about things like, are you living there with your entire family? Are you living perhaps in Johor and working in Singapore? Do you uh, live there alone and send money home? All of these factors can significantly change what that income means to you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I do hear, though, of the Singapore property market being really quite uh, stressful now for a lot of people. Mm, I know a lot of friends uh, who are my age and choose to just rent a room rather than have an apartment because it's so much cheaper, but it also means they have more money to send home. Yeah, but the rooms are also still very costly, right? Mm. But then other things in Singapore, whatever it is, I think the the, the real issue is whether you're going to make that choice uh, based on on all the factors involved. But the crucial one we're talking about today is whether you would step down, as it were. I and mean, that is, I think, uh, where things get a real difficult. Fadzli says, The daily grind crushed any dreams I might have had, and the office politics required for career advancement is too troublesome. If I had the opportunity, I'd jump to a menial job for way better money in a heartbeat. All I want is money to live comfortably and take care of my family. See, firstly, you hit the nail on the head. And, you know, I think in many ways, your 
sentiment or your your philosophical position is actually the dominant one today, right? It's the issue really is the money at the end of the day um, to live comfortably because you. So how many of us would stick with a job uh, that didn't pay so well, but because you love the job? And I know that a lot of people are like that too. So th- that's where I think things kind of uh, turn, right? Well. Love can only take you so far sometimes, right? Uh, I mean, eventually your financial commitments and um, what things cost, sometimes you just have to, sometimes you have to make a difficult decision and that might be, well, where does the money lie? Absolutely. And I think, you know, in Malaysia, maybe the situation hasn't reached crisis point. Maybe for certain individuals it has. Uh, And I think uh, when you are sort of, uh, edging down kind of low middle class, uh, you know, they are issues of just sheer survival, right? The inability to buy property or sort of having to give up on the idea of ever owning property, uh, you know, and, and, and such that make uh, the imperatives to seek better opportunities real. BHL says, um, my father came here with my grandfather from China to seek greener pastures and regularly sent money back to support family. Looks like the tides have now turned. And in fact, I now sometimes go to Hong Kong and China for work when available because they pay so much better there. Yeah, so the long arc of history is starting to show these, you know, these interesting twists and turns, right? And so, um, yeah, it, what does it mean to be in a situation uh, where we feel that our country is in decline, uh, that what we took for granted, uh, our ability, you know, that we were a net importer of talent or work, uh, we weren't ourselves having to go out and work, at least not in numbers large enough to signal that there was something uh, wrong at home. That, I think, is, going to, is a very daunting uh, realization to deal with. You know, the idea that Malaysia might be in decline. We do have a caller on the line. Good evening, Paul. What are your thoughts? Hey, hi, guys. And hi, happy Paul. holidays tomorrow. Same to you. Um, I wish you both good health and long life. Thank listen, you, Paul. Listen, now, I was thinking, you know, we were, we we're talking about people making choices as to where to go and work, how much to earn and, and things like that. You know, they migrate, they go to the North Pole, count the seals and, you know, they do all kinds of stuff. However, um, who creates this formula in these people making these choices? So some people learn in families that we've got to earn big bucks. Therefore, Malaysia is not good. Go to Singapore. Uh, We've got to go to earn big bucks and and make our dreams. So we run away somewhere else. But what is your formula? And then... Do you know that there are so many people? I no, no. That's so sad, sad, sad. Sorry, I'm sorry to say. Do you know there are there are so many people who come back to Malaysia, and they are my clients who say bad decision. I shouldn't have gone to that country because I thought that it's going to work out. Um, the variables they used into that the decision making process was sadler. They they thought they'd get there, they'd, they'd make load, loads of money, but they left out things like social issues, um, the happiness factor, the loneliness, and the, the, the those those kinds of factors. And they've decided to give up and come back for a lesser pay. And as a, as a result of coming back, they've had, they've had to accommodate a step down, a step three. 
and they're happier now because they've learned that uh, that those are the things that actually really matter to them rather than I'm I'm going overseas to make thousands but with the thousands comes thousands of dollars of therapy and lots well, lucky you Paul I, I do want to ask you a <laughs> question though that was not a plug was not a plug but Paul you know is this would this be true of a people who who left with a, already a certain level of comfort is there a class of malaysian a segment of malaysian society where they can't even get to that level that you know they can't even dream of owning property or a car or you know that uh, they can't dream of putting uh, putting their children in better schools all those things for them you know under imperatives or even the cost of going overseas and suffering as you might say uh, the loneliness and all that isn't that uh, worthwhile for them oh i tell you what it is worth the chase if you are someone who's going to make a living and a definition of yourself it's worth the chase if you can if you can sit with people or sit with serious yourself or, or or spiritually and develop and define your chase what are you chasing and if you chase it and you and you bring in the variables into your equation i'm i hope i'm don't i'm not sounding too um, mathematically philosophical but if you say i want this i want this i want this and this and this and this now how am i going to put this together I want to stay with my mother and father. I want some a lot of money. I want this. So how are you going to modify these variables? And just saying I'm going to run now and suffer like everybody else, come back and then give the money and and do what I can with it. No, it all depends on what you want. The 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 um, the, the point is the point I'm trying to make is um, do I want a million dollars tomorrow? or do i want to watch my father die do i i'm that's personal because he he just passed away not long ago or do i want a mercedes now to show off to my friends or do i want to actually save that money and uh, have great times with my friends and and then you know develop a, a good social life it's it's choices and priorities choices of priorities and i i think one of the biggest problems that we have you know whole somebody mentioned education system etc etc one of the biggest problems is that we we are not taught how to we don't have to how to choose priorities how to make choices and and whether or not we can actually see it whether we have a psychological psychosocial telescope to see where are we going how far are we going So that's what we need. Paul, thank you so much for calling. Uh that was of course psychologist Paul Jamunathan. Um we do need to take a quick break but keep your thoughts coming. Um we are asking you whether you would take a menial job abroad for more money over your current job here. You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 0187898899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Best flipping moments. BFM 89.9, the business station. 
It's 7.19. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Sharad. We're closing off our conversation on, um, well, the question that's driven the conversation on our show today. Would you take a menial job abroad for more money over your current job here? You can call us. You can send us a voice note. You can WhatsApp us. You can tweet us. Uh, we have a number of interesting thoughts that have come in. Uh, Z says, I'm currently doing this. I'm doing the work holiday in New Zealand. From being a flight attendant in KL, earning about 6,000 ringgit a month to working as a waiter in a small rural town of 7,000 people. It is livable, especially with a partner. Spending power dollar for dollar, definitely way better. I could come back and go, uh, go back to work in Singapore just for the money. But while money is important, it's not the be-all and end-all. Yeah, Z, the idea of a working holiday, I think this is something that is... Uh, I believe, given to young people generally. Uh, I as think there is an age cutoff. There yes. is an age cutoff. Yeah. So, you know, woe is me. Uh, but I, <laughs> I do remember there was a period uh, when the, the the conversation around what was called then the farm labor visa scheme from Australia came up. And, you know, there was some sort of pushback, there's some sort of confusion. But essentially, it was the idea that, you know, Malaysians can avail themselves of these visas in order to earn those, you know, as we mentioned, mentioned earlier the average uh, you know fruit picker salary of 190,000 ringgit a year um, and then you know even parlay that into something better in terms of or maybe a you know, upon residence or something. But um, these are just kind of options that I think countries out there are offering. And, and you're young and you, you have, maybe you're less encumbered. You might want to take those things up. Well, I was also struck by Z's point uh, about way of life, I suppose, um, how it isn't just about the money, but it's also about what quality of life or, or you know, what the feel of what you, where you're living is um, versus where you may be right now. Um, we have Munif, meanwhile, saying... When I visited Venice back in 2012, I had a chat with one of the Bangladeshi immigrants who were selling souvenirs there. He called me and said he knew I was Malaysian. Apparently, he worked in Ipoh for seven years. Turns out, for the Bangladeshi immigrants, moving to Malaysia was just phase one, and the end game is to go to Europe and then really send the big Euro bucks back home. What I'm trying to say is, the ambition of some of these immigrants are insane. So show a little respect when they're serving you your drink, food, or filling up your petrol. You never know if one has the courage and life vision that eclipses yours. Munif, I love the point that you were making. Um, and I also I also think that along with the ambition, uh, the, uh, the goals, the mad amount of skills that our migrant workers need to kind of pool together to be able to function in these different contexts. Um, I remember there's a florist uh, that I used to go to. Um, and one of the workers there, a Bangladeshi worker, could literally speak in about five or six different languages, depending on who the customer was. He could do Tamil, he could do BM, he could do English, he could speak Cantonese. And of course, I assume he can speak his own language. And I was thinking, I mean, how long have you been here that you've managed to pick up all these languages? Yeah, you know, I, what I understand also that's become of Venice is that uh, the Bangladeshi immigrants have now formed the, the bulk of the working class of Venice. Uh, and there's a novel to go along with that. But you're right. I mean, you know, in the stories that you hear from people, I mean, there's always going to be uh, uh, stories of tragedy, but there are also these successes. And I have a, a friend who, uh, who was a, a waiter, right, a bartender in a bar in, in PJ, who, you know, ended up being recruited to work in 
going to buy in Dubai only to very cleverly switch over to the HR department. When I met him in Sharjah in 2019, he was number two in a, in a, for a hotel chain in, a, in, the, in the human resources department. So an extraordinary development for a young man who took risks and went overseas. I mean, okay, so there's success stories and there will be the, the tragic stories. Uh, and then the question is, you hope, to, um, you hope that you are one of the success stories and not one of the tragic ones, I guess. Bolo says, I'd consider an overseas job if I'm single. Having a family now, though, I'd rather stay here to be around my kids. I'll make do with what I earn and adjust my lifestyle accordingly. Um, and I wanted to, I suppose, close off with that because it goes back to something that you said right at the top of the show, um, that often this notion of uh, being able to go somewhere else to work, to make money, um, it is something that's easier or more um, I suppose more attainable when you're younger and you don't have as many attachments uh, in the current in the country that you're from. It's a young person's game. I don't think it has to be, but I think it it often also means that well, if you don't like it, if you think it's a mistake, you have more time to come back and course correct. Yeah, I think the the idea that you know things don't get set so early on um, is a. Um, is a mind uh, is, it requires a mind shift uh, kind of attitude thing you know you you have to believe that these risks and experiments in life are worth taking thank you so much for all of your thoughts uh, and keep it here bfm you have been listening to a podcast from bfm 89.9 the business station for more stories of the same kind download the bfm app